Bible Assembly of God, welcome to a brand new message and series. Uh, we finished our time together on Infinitely More. Uh, we finished our time together with our missionaries, uh, the verdicts last week. So we are looking to get into a brand new topic. And the topic is grace. Grace. Now, we, we sing about it, right? Uh, you probably know, you're probably familiar with a hymn. goes something like this, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. So when it comes to grace that we've sung about it, we know that there's this topic, this title of grace. In fact, you probably know somebody named Grace. Hands raised if you know somebody, co-worker, classmate, family member. My hand's up there with you. Okay, so at least, at least half of you know somebody named Grace, or maybe you've seen somebody named Grace. Uh, so we sing songs about Grace. We know people named Grace. We read in the scriptures, scriptures about Grace. For instance, Psalm 145, verse 8 reads like this. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Now, if I were to read every single scripture in the Word of God that has to do with or mentions grace or gracious, we'd be here a while. So, can I just get a preemptive amen from you that I'm not reading every single scripture that has grace in it? Amen. Okay, thank you. So, we read scriptures about grace. God is gracious. God extends grace. And, and sometimes we think Mercy and grace. Grace and mercy. We hear them oftentimes together. Understand they're different. They are both great things. Mercy. God's mercy to you is great. God's grace towards you and I are great, but they are a little different, right? Mercy is when God doesn't give us what we do deserve, which is punishment. God's mercy is he doesn't do that. God's grace is when he does give us what we don't deserve. Blessing. Grace. So God's definition of grace, a little different than uh, maybe if you take a look at Webster and his definition. How many of you have a Webster's Dictionary? You know, back in the day, everything was paper. Uh, you know, going to, it, getting old. I know that. Getting old. I get reminded every so often sometimes with, with our girls, right? But back in the day, dictionary and thesaurus, I had a paper copy I used for high school. Some, some of you did the same thing, right? Now everything's digital, it's, it's online. But if you were to take a look at Webster and Webster's dictionary definition of grace, here's a handful of what you would find. One of them, we know about grace, a short prayer before or after a meal. Right? You've heard of somebody say, would you offer grace? Would you give a prayer of grace? And that's, that's a short little prayer. Depending on who you are, it's shorter than others, right? You know someone who's got that nice, short, sweet prayer to get to the food. Or Webster might say grace is ease of movement. That leads to thinking about someone who's graceful. They move very well. Also entitled, a title for a duke, duchess, or archbishop. And so sometimes that doesn't necessarily refer to a lot here in the United States, but around the world, others, they talk about your grace. A top, dish, uh, top definition in Webster would be help given to man by God. 
That certainly is a lot closer to what we're looking at today than just simply a short prayer before a meal. But today the goal is let's try to understand grace. We sing about it. You know people who have a name of grace. We know that there's a lot of scriptures about God's grace and how he is gracious. We're going to take a look at this definition of grace. And to make it easier, we're going to just take a look at all five letters. G-R-A-C-E. And take a look briefly at five descriptions of what grace is. Hopefully that will help you and I to understand a little better. So what is grace? Here's a, a first definition of grace. Grace is God's free gift. God's free gift. In Romans chapter 3, 24, it says that we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Another version or translation would put it this way. All of us need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift through Jesus Christ. Grace is God's free gift. Now, if you ask a whole bunch of people, survey style, how do you get into heaven? Chances are you'll get a whole lot of answers. A lot of people have a lot of reaction as to how they believe you would get into heaven. That people might say, well, I just, I'm going to try to be good. Or do your best. Or work hard. Try to be a good person. Some would say, do more good things than bad things in life. You've probably heard people say that. Well, you get into heaven if you've got more good than bad, as if there's some kind of ledger or tally. And if good outweighs the bad, then you're just automatically into heaven. Most people's answers tend to be based on works, not on grace. It's what can I do or what can, what should I do to earn my way or get my way into heaven? But grace is God's free gift. Salvation and the gift of God and grace is free. You and I can't earn it. We can't buy it and we can't work for grace. It's a gift that God graciously gives. Let's just use that price, right? Graciously gives grace. He's gracious to bestow the gift of grace. You can't earn it. You, you, don't, you and I don't deserve it. We can't do enough good things to make our ledger look so exciting and so powerful and so positive that God says, Wow, because of all the great things you've done, I'm going to give you grace. Now, grace is a gift. See, it's this difference between this relationship with God and Christianity and every other religion. Every other religion, it tends to be about this word do. What do you have to do to earn your way or to somehow get this grace or somehow have this blessing given to you? It kind of varies. One might say, do this. One might say, follow these tenets or follow these pillars. But it's truly up to you. What you do earns grace, earns happiness, that allows you to deserve heaven and earn God's approval. But that's not what God's word has to say. 
If you were to summarize Christianity, this relationship with God, it's not about do. It's not about do. Someone would say it would be about the word done. It's what Jesus Christ has already done upon the cross. He paid the price. And as a result, it's a gift. It's a gift for you. It's a gift for me. There's nothing that you and I can do to earn our way or save ourselves. It is the gift of God. We don't get into heaven based on what we do. It's not based on our attendance. It's not based on our giving. It's not based on our volunteering. Although, guess what? All of those are great things to do. And God's word says to be worshiping together and, and gathering together. Don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together. But that's not what gets us into heaven. God's word encourages us to give and to faithfully support the work of the Lord. But that's not what gets us into heaven. We are to do great things for one another. Love one another. Encourage one another. But it's not by doing five things today or ten things today that we earn our way into heaven. Grace is a gift. How many of you love gifts, right? You, if you enjoy opening and receiving gifts, imagine the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ giving his life on the cross for you and for me. It's grace. So grace, this is the greatest gift through salvation you and I will receive. It is a gift. You can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't work our way to accept it. It is a gift. Grace is God's free gift. G. Let's go to letter R. What is grace? Grace is received by faith. Received by faith. Here's a, a rather well-known scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Again, it's not by works, it's not by what you and I do, or earn, or work for. It's a gift of God, and we receive it through faith. Now, if someone has a gift for you, right? They, they've got a, a gift wrapped Box, or they've got one of those little gift bags with uh, all the fancy little, uh, what is that, tissue paper, right? All the colored tissue paper, whatever the gift might be. If someone says, here's a gift, and they place it in front of you, and you just stare at it, and you don't receive it, and you don't open it, and you don't see what it is, have you truly received the gift? No. They've given you a gift, and you stared at it, you sat in it, you have not fully accepted or received it. Now, what do you have to do? You just open it. You just receive it. Someone else gives you the gift. You receive it, certainly, hopefully, thankfully. But you and I do the same thing with salvation and this grace of God. Jesus Christ died upon the cross for you, and he died upon the cross for me. And we had that opportunity of receiving salvation, receiving this gift of grace. We're saved by grace through faith. Jesus Christ paid the price. God's giving the gift to you and I, but it's up to you and I then to receive it. If we don't act upon that gift, if we don't accept that gift by faith, 
we're not going to receive that gift of salvation, that gift of grace. It's not based on our performance. It's based on the promise of God. It's not based on my goodness. It's based on the grace of God. Listen, as good of a person as you might be, and I'm looking around, we've got some really, not just good looking people, but some good people in here, right? But as good of a person as you might be, are you good enough to earn or deserve the gift of grace, this gift of salvation. We can't do enough good things. That's why it is a gift. But when that gift is given, you and I must receive it by faith. So the gift, it is received by faith, G-R-A. What is grace? Grace is available to all. I'm thankful for that. I trust that you are, right? Are you a part of the all? A-L-L spells all. You and I, we're part of that. Grace is available to all. God doesn't play favorites. It's not that God extends his grace and mercy and salvation and forgiveness and says, listen, this half of the sanctuary, oh, we're going to give grace and mercy and salvation to you. Uh, but you on this side, sorry, you picked the wrong side today. Should have, should have switched up your side. It's not based on where you sit. It's not based on age or ethnicity. It's not based on income. It's not, it's not based on anything, right? It is available to all. In fact, Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says... Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Circle, highlight, underline that word, everyone. If you and I call upon the name of the Lord, we will be saved. Salvation, grace, it is available to all. It's not just whether or not your birthday is coming up this month as to whether you would get that gift. Salvation and grace, they're available to you. Now maybe you've got a question and maybe this was you before you came to the Lord or maybe this describes somebody that you know, right? Somebody in your family, somebody in your school, somebody in your workplace and their thought, their, their anticipation might be this. But God doesn't know me. I mean... Does he know everything that I've done? How can he know what I've done and still love me and still care for me and still desire to forgive me? I mean, man, I've done some bad things. Maybe you could say the same. If you, if you looked back and kind of wound back the clock and looked at your life before Christ to say, I've done some bad things, some wrong things, some sinful things. And yet God's grace God's salvation reached out to you. And as a result, changed your heart and changed your life. Grace is available to all. I don't know what everyone in this room has done. I don't know what some of your co-workers or classmates or family members have done. Listen, God does and he still loves and he still offers grace and salvation and forgiveness if you and I, if those other individuals as well, would accept and receive that gift. Grace is available to all. Again, Paul writes, 
everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He doesn't say, well, only the really good people. He doesn't say, only the super religious people. He doesn't say, well, only the smart or only the rich or only the good drivers. Paul doesn't even say that it's only for Buckeye fans. So if you're a fan of that team up north, good news, salvation's for you too. Right? It's for everyone. I mean, it doesn't matter whatever team you like. I know there's somebody who likes the opposite or competing or, you know, that, that other team that's the rival. It doesn't matter if they like that other team. It doesn't matter if they're from another state, from another country. It doesn't matter if you call on the name of the Lord. He says, you will be saved. That's grace. God is offering grace and mercy and forgiveness. It's available to all. Anyone and everyone who reach out to the Lord. So grace is God's free gift. Grace is received by faith. Grace is available to all. And see, grace is Christ's costly purchase. Listen, grace is costly. Did you catch that? Some of you, you're paying attention. You, you got a little quizzical look, a little puzzle look on your face. Wait a second, Pastor Mark. You just said that it was free. God's free gift. Now you're going back on your words. You're, you're, you're kind of taking things back. Now you're saying that it's costly. So is it free? Yes. Is it costly? Yes. What do I mean by that? Grace is a free gift to receive. And it's free for you and I. But make no mistake about it. Grace was incredibly costly to God and his son, Jesus Christ, who gave of his life. I've, I've shared the acronym on, on multiple occasions, I believe. I'm not the one who created it. I'm sure you've heard other people say it and preach it. One of the things that stood out to me, another acronym is God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. You and I receive the riches of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the salvation of God, the forgiveness of God. We receive all of that, but it's at Christ's expense. Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. So yes, it is a free gift. You and I receive it freely, but it was a costly purchase of Jesus Christ. In fact, here's what 1 Peter chapter 1, I love this scripture, chapter 1 verse 18 and 19 says, You know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Stop right there. It was not with perishable things. It's as if he's saying, listen, you know it wasn't with those worthless things that you were bought and paid for. You know, those silly things like silver and gold. How many of you think silver and gold is kind of a silly thing? Not, not too many hands raised. We wouldn't mind some silver and gold. But the scripture says it was not with those things that we were redeemed. It's not silver. It's not gold. 
It's not $100 bills. It's not cars and houses and vehicles and boats. Those aren't the kinds of things that were paid for. Those aren't the kinds of things that were used to purchase salvation or the gift of grace. What does he say? Verse 19, it was with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish or defect. That was Christ's costly purchase. He gave of his life. Jesus Christ, Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He died in your place. He died in my place. That we might be cleansed and forgiven. It was his costly purchase. We, we receive the blessings of Salvation and his favor, his adoption as children, peace and joy, confidence, an incredible future in him. All of those things we receive. Why? Because Jesus paid the price. How many of you are glad when someone picks up the tab or the bill for you? You're out to eat and someone says, oh, I got that. You know, whether it's McDonald's or whether it's a sit down restaurant, someone says, oh, I got that. As soon as someone says, I got that, some of you are wishing you would have changed what you ordered. Why didn't you tell me that before I ordered? And they're thinking, I want to wait until after you ordered to see if I got enough to cover you, right? Sometimes that's what our blessing is. You know, you wait until someone orders off the dollar menu and you look at your wallet and you're like, okay, I can pay that. I got it today. You can get the next time, you know, when we go out to a sit-down restaurant. I got you. It's not as if we, we have to look at our wallet and say, do I have enough to cover this? Listen, you and I aren't anywhere near having the supply, having the resources. We can't pay the price for our sin and for our salvation. It was Christ's costly purchase. He gave of himself upon the cross. There's not enough good things you can do to earn it. There's not, I mean, some of you, you are very, very faithful to the Lord in all kinds of ways, but attending church for a hundred years and never missing a Sunday is not enough to pay for our price of salvation. No matter what you've got in your bank account, no matter how many great and good things you've done for others, we don't have enough to purchase it. But Jesus Christ, because of his blood that was shed upon the cross, paid the price. And he's telling us in advance, you know, he, he's not waiting to see, well, he only did a couple bad things. Why? Well, I, I guess I'll pay the price. His sacrifice, his death upon the cross was enough to pay the price for you and for me, for anything and everything that we have done. It was a costly purchase of Jesus Christ. Now it was silver. Not with gold, not with anybody's bank account, not with something from your wallet that, well, I got lunch and I got this. He paid the price for all of your sins, all of my sins, for all who would call on the name of the Lord. It's grace. It's God's free gift. It's received by faith. It's available to all. It's Christ's costly purchase. And the final letter E is this. Grace means eternal Benefits, eternal benefits. Romans chapter six, verse 23, familiar verse of scripture says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God, what he offers, what he supplies, the gift of his love and mercy and grace and salvation and forgiveness, it is eternal life. That's an incredible blessing to receive from the Lord. Benefits and results of God's grace, they're going to go on and on and on. How many of you have ever had to replace something that wore out? Could have been a toy when you are younger, to a vehicle or parts on a vehicle, or maybe parts in a house or in an apartment, right? I mean, there are certain things, appliances. I mean, things don't last forever. Now, some of the things that you have and that I have, we're thankful that they keep going maybe year after year or, or maybe even decade after decade. But can you think about eternally? That salvation is available. And he says that the gift of God is not just life and life abundantly for a handful of days, for a handful of weeks or a handful of years. It is eternal life through Christ Jesus Blessings and the benefits of that relationship with God is kind of like the gift that keeps on giving. Eternal life to be with Jesus in heaven. Have you ever thought of what heaven might be like? Some of you think, uh, I don't want to think about that too much because I hope I don't experience it too soon. Uh, I, want to, I want to be in heaven, but let, let, me, let me kind of spend some more time here. Think about heaven. There's some incredible things that scripture talks about heaven. Free from pain, free from suffering, free from sadness or sorrow or grief or depression or loneliness. Reunited with loved ones who have accepted the grace and salvation of God. Place of reward as well as that opportunity of living forever with Jesus. How incredible. It is an incredible, a wonderful place, an eternal benefit of the gift of God. All of these are, are great descriptions, great definitions of grace, but it goes back to something we talked about earlier. You've got to accept. You've got to accept it. If there's a gift that's given to you and it just sits in front of you on the table, maybe you bring it home and say, I'll open it later. It looks really good. The, the wrapping looks great. Wow, it, that gift bag and tissue paper on point. I mean, oh, the, uh, the, the, the ribbon, uh, they did that fancy little thing with scissors. You know how you, I'm not sure what that's called. Curl, curling the ribbons. Oh, it looks great. This looks like one of the prettiest gifts I've ever gotten. But if you take that pretty gift and you sit it in your house or you sit on the table and you never open it you've truly never received or accepted that gift and god offers his son jesus christ to you he offers jesus christ to me it's a gift freely given though it was a costly purchase jesus christ gave of his life you and i have got to respond to accept and to receive good news of Jesus Christ, the grace that is offered, the salvation that is offered, the forgiveness that is offered, it is free. But we must accept. We must receive that. And maybe you or maybe others that you know, family members or friends or class members or co-workers, maybe some of the thought is this, well, uh, 
Maybe before I receive this, God's going to give me this big lecture. Or maybe I'm going to feel condemned or judged. Or, or maybe, maybe I'm just not good enough. Or maybe when I come to God, God will be surprised and say, Oh, look at all that sin. Listen, nothing's going to surprise God. There's nothing you and I have said or done that's going to surprise him. He knows our past. The good news is that he loves us anyway. He offers his grace, offers his mercy, offers his love, offers his forgiveness. Come to Christ. That's what he says. Come to me. Grace. No doubt you remember in, in the scripture, in the New Testament, there was a woman who was deep in a life of sin. Numerous moral failures had basically slept around and had quite the reputation. One day, Scripture said that religious leaders had caught her in the act and brought her to Jesus Christ. They'd thrown her on the ground in front of him, expecting his wrath and condemnation, right? Instead, he defended her dignity and protected her. Remember some of his words? Here was one. He said, anyone who is here without sin can do what? Cast the first stone. That's not the only thing that he said to Jesus, uh, that Jesus said to the woman, but no one was perfect, right? Everybody who maybe had a rock or had a stone, they dropped it and walked away. But Jesus turned to the woman. He said, where are all of your accusers? She said, they're not here. They're gone. And Jesus turned to her and he said two pretty profound things to her, just kind of summarizing this interaction. First, he said, neither do I condemn you. In other words, there's no accusers here to condemn you. He's saying, neither do I condemn you. But understand, that's not the only thing Jesus said to her. Because sometimes people look at that and say, well, Jesus didn't condemn, so listen, don't condemn everything is love. Whatever you want to do is good. Now, Jesus said, I don't condemn you. But notice what he said second. Go and sin no more. He offered love. He offered compassion, forgiveness. He said, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Don't stay in the life of sin that you are living right now. See, grace doesn't mean that we receive and accept this gift of God and then just go live however we want to live. That's not what grace is about. Grace is accepting and receiving that gift and then following in obedience, the very best that we can, what he has for you and I. Go and sin no more. So Jesus says to you, and Jesus says to me, Jesus says to you perhaps watching or listening online, he says, I don't condemn you. I see your past of sin. I see all of what you've been a part of, and I don't condemn you, but go and leave it. Sin no more. Turn to me. Accept that gift of grace and love and forgiveness. Surrender your heart and your life to me, and then live in obedience. It's an incredible gift of grace. He doesn't look and say, well, go do whatever you want. Destroy your life. Live in opposition to me. And hey, I don't, I don't condemn. He says he doesn't condemn, but he also says, leave the life of sin. Don't continue in that. So the question is, will you and I, or have you 
and have I accepted and received that gift of grace? Are, are we living it out and walking in it? Grace is God's free gift. Nothing you or I can do to earn it or deserve it or work for it. It's God's free gift. It's received by faith. He gives it. He's not going to force you to receive it. We receive it by faith. Thirdly, it's available to all. It's available to you. It's available for me. Every single one of us can receive that gift of grace and love and forgiveness. It's available to all, and it's because of Christ's costly purchase. It's what Jesus Christ did as he died upon the cross. And as a result of that, it includes some pretty incredible and eternal benefits. Salvation. Heaven with Jesus Christ. God's amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved. It changed. It transformed a wretch, a sinner like me. I can do the same for someone like you. It's available for you and I right here, right now, today. Not an accident that you're here or listening or watching or listening online. I believe God's desire to do something in, in some hearts today for those who are here in person or watching or listening. If you've not received that gift of grace and love and forgiveness, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. God's grace. <laughs>